0: What's so exciting to me is how that every week I just have to wait on God for a word for this congregation. I've got thousands of sermons that I've preached over the years. I could go pull out one. There's a quantity of them. There's a bunch of them, but I don't know how good they are, but you know how that is. But I don't do that. I have to wait on God every week. And, man, it got to Saturday, and I said, Lord, do you know what day it is? (laughs) But he had put a thought in my mind. And I I began to just meditate on that thought and meditate on the scriptures that were related to it. And this morning, he spoke to me and said, "You, you know what I showed you yesterday? And you know what you've got in that message today? I said, tell me, Lord. I told you who you are in Christ. I told you where you're going. And I told you how to live on the way. I said, wow. That's exactly what we all need to hear. Who are we in Christ? Now, where are we headed? And how do we live? Till we get there, you know there are two passages, there are two chapters, and then two verses in another chapter that answer the question: Who we are, where we're going, and how we get there. And I, I it, it just so has grabbed a hold of my heart that I said, Lord, man, that that's what I'm going to look at every day. I'm going to go back and review. Just who I am, where I'm going, and how to live till I get there. Well, the place I want us to start is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And this talks about the urgency of the day. How important it is that we live in the now and that we live in the today. There are two words, living in the now, which is now, and living today, which is today. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul was writing to to the believers at Corinth. You know, the Corinthian church was a church that had every spiritual gift operating, but it was also a church that had serious problems. And there were some strong Christians in the church at Corinth. There were some immature Christians. But Paul just made an appeal to them, to to the Christians, said, Now listen, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Live out what God has given you in Jesus. So we look at chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. We then as workers together with him. He said to the Corinthians, I'm working with you for the Lord. We're working together for the Lord. We then, as workers together with you, now listen at his passion. I plead with you. He said, I'm pleading with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And this is what he's saying. What God has done for you and Jesus, don't let it be in vain. Let it affect your life now and every day that you live. He said, I am pleading with you that you would take full, take full use and receive the fullness of the grace of God. I'm pleading with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I heard you. You know what he said? You know, there was a time when you cried out to God and God heard you. And he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. Paul said, look at the grace of God. He spoke to you and you heard him. And he helped you along the way. He said, in an acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now. Now, I want you to circle that word. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Paul said to those believers, God has poured out his grace on you. And now is the time to live it out. Now's the time to act on what God has done for you. And that is true for you and I today. You know, I'm telling you, we have received the grace of God. We've received enough truth to change the world. But what are we doing with the grace that God has given you? What am I doing with the grace that God has given me? Now, we're going to notice how that it's all about living now. It's all about living today. And first of all, I want to show you as we take the grace of God, which God does for us, what we do not deserve and can never do for ourselves. For by grace are you saved through faith, we have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God is doing in us and for us what we do not deserve and could not do for ourselves. So he said, now, as receivers of the grace of God, first of all, I want to know you to know who you are and where you're going, and then I want to show you how to live it out. And you know when he showed us that? Turn back to chapter 5. And I'm just going to touch some highlights in this fifth chapter. And he tells us where we're headed. But then he tells us who we are. And then we go over to another chapter uh, in Colossians to tell us how to live till we get there. All right. Well, where are we headed? Look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Verse 6 and 9, look at what it says. We know that if this earthly house, this tent is destroyed. He's talking about our body. You know, you live in an earthly house. Your body is an earthly house. Your soul, your spirit, you live in your body. And so we have an earthly house. You know that if this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, you die. We have a building from God. We've got a new house. A house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. All right? He says, in this we've grown. We've grown in this earthly house. Wanting to be getting our new house to be clothed with our habitation, is from, which is from heaven. Then he says, we know where we're going. Look at verse 6. So we're always confident. That while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. In other words, as long as I'm living in this body, I'm not present with the Lord in heaven. So we know that as long as we're we're confident that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But look at verse eight. We are confident, yes, well pleased to be absent from the body. And to be present with the Lord. He said, I'll be frank with you. As long as I'm in this body, I'm not in the physical presence, spiritual presence of the Lord in heaven. But to be frank, he said, I'll just be, I'll tell you how I feel about it. I'd just soon vacate this body and just go on to be with the Lord. That was his attitude. And so he knew where he was going. He knew that he was headed for heaven to spend eternity in the presence of the Lord. Who saved him. All right. And he said, but let me tell you what I want to do along the way. Okay. We know where we're headed. Okay. Well, look at verse nine of, of chapter five. He said, until we get there, he said, I have one goal. You know, we got all kinds of goals, you know, and some of them are good and, and some of them are t- temporal and some return, but he said, I got one goal till I get home. I've got one goal till I get to heaven. Well, what is it, Paul? He says in verse 9, we make it our aim that whether present in heaven or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. He said, I tell you what, until I get home, I want to please God. You know, God loves you. Stay with me. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But you can please him. You mean God loves me when I'm bad and when I sin? Oh, yeah, thank God he does. Does he love me when I'm good? Yeah, thank God. His love is eternal and it's uh, unchangeable. Nothing we can do to make him love us more, love us less. But I'm telling you, we can please him. And that's what Paul said. I know where I'm going. I'm headed for heaven. And as long as I'm in this body, I'm, I'm absent from the Lord. So until I get home i got one goal, and that is to please the Lord. But then he says something. You know why? Because I'm going to give an account to God. He said, I I realize that that one day I'm going to be absent from the body, and I'm going to be present with the Lord, and I'm going to give an account to him. Look look in verse 10. Look at what he says. He said, let me say this to you. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, you say, Brother Fred, it really doesn't matter. I'm saved. I'm saved. I have received the grace of God. And I know in my heart I'm going to heaven. But you know, what I do along the way, is it really that important? Well, all I got to say is, you're going to give an account to Jesus for what you do along the way. Look at what he says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There are two judgments the great white throne judgment of lost people. The dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and they're judged for their sin. What a tragedy! And they're cast into the lake of fire. But believers are not there. We're alive in Christ, but we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we do not give an account of our sins, which are under the blood of Jesus, but we give an account for the way we served the Lord. So it does matter. Oh, how does it matter how you live your life once you've received the grace of God? And Paul said, I just want to tell you now, along the way, make it your goal to please him. But remember, one day you're going to give an account to him. That verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So now he's already told us where we're going to heaven. He's already told us that when we're absent from the body, we're not going to sleep. We're just not going to drift around in the heavens until one day when we're absent from the body. We're present with the Lord. And then when the time comes after the rapture, there will be the the judgment seat of Christ. And he tells us so to live with that in view. Live with the understanding that you will give an account of yourself to God. And then he said, uh, and look at verse 14 and 15. He says, along the way, what Jesus did for us is what drives me, is what compels me, is what motivates me. Let me ask you a question. When others are sleeping in this morning, why did you get up and come to church? When others are spending their money while they, where they want to and how they want to, why are you giving some of your money to God? Why is it when, when people are pursuing pleasure that there are times you could be see pursuing pleasure, but rather you pursue Jesus Christ. You pursue the family of God. You pursue doing the things that please God. Well, what's, what's the difference? What motivates us? What compels us? In chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, well, the, these are two of the best, most motivating verses in all the Bible. If you just had these, then you've got every reason you have. You ought to live with, let Jesus live through with all your heart. Look at verse 14. The love of Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The love of Christ compels us. I like that word, it compels me. It compels me. The love of Christ compels me. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all were dead. He said, I know what happened on the cross. Jesus died for all. Because all of us were dead. And so that love, that love that caused Jesus to die for us when we were dead. He said, the love of Christ compels me that if one died for all, then we were all dead. Oh, here's the rest of it though. And that he died for all. Now, I want you to underline this in your heart, in your Bible, that he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. Man, that's exactly why we do what we do. Because we realize that he died for us because we were dead. And now that we live, we should no longer live for ourselves. But for him who loved us and gave himself for us. That's all the motivation I need. I don't need somebody to say, you got to do this or do that. Or you got to, uh, I don't want to live under works. I've got love. And I know this, that if he died for me, I was dead. And now that I'm alive, I should no longer live for myself, but for him who died for, for me and rose again. The love of Christ compels us. So he's telling us, you're headed for heaven. As long as you're, present in this body, you're absent from the Lord. But one day you're going to be absent from the body and you're going to be present with the Lord. He said, until you go to be with the Lord, you make it your goal to please him. Make it your goal to please him. Because I want to remind you, one day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And said, let me tell you, all the motivation you need to live for Christ or let Christ live through you, all the motivation you need is that you were dead, and Jesus died for you, and now you are alive, and you no longer should live for yourself, but you should live for him who loved you and gave himself for you. And all of God's people said? That's exactly right. Nobody's going to have to beg me to try to live a holy life and a righteous life. Nobody has to beg you to live a righteous life and a holy life. Nobody has to beg you to love Jesus and not love the world. Let me tell you why. Because he were dead. He was dead. We were dead. And he died for us. And now we're alive. Hallelujah. And now we ought to live for him who died for us and rose again. That's the case closed as far as I'm concerned. See, he's telling us who we are. And he tells us where we're going. And he goes on in that fifth chapter, tells us a couple of other things. He said, remember this, as you're on the way to heaven and as you're seeking to please him and you're living for him because he died for you, you're allowing him to be your Lord and live through you because he died for you. He said, I I want you to remember something. Remember, you're a new creature in Christ. Second Corinthians, it's all in this fifth chapter. Listen at verse 17. Look at verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ. See, if you're in Christ, you're saved. If you're in Christ, Christ is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you are in Christ, I am crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. And all things are become new. I got good news for you. You don't have to live in the past. You don't have to worry about your past. You don't have to be ashamed of your past. Because when Jesus came into your heart, he washed you whiter than snow and your sins are gone. And now you are righteous in the Son of God. Old things are passed away. Some of you can't live in now and can't live in today because you won't let old things pass away. You won't let go of old things. Let me tell you one thing. When Jesus died and he came to live in your heart, he washed you with his blood from your sins in his own blood. And your sins are gone, praise God. And they're forever cast as heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward us. He said, let me tell you who you are. You're a new creation. And you're headed for heaven. And as long as you're in this body, you make it your goal to praise him. Because one day you're going to stand before him. And said, all you need to to serve Jesus is just to remember that you were dead. And he died for you. And now that you're alive, you don't live for yourself. But you live for him who loved you and gave himself for you. And then he goes on and tells us a couple of other things. He said, while you're on this earth, you represent Jesus. I'm going to give you verse 20. See, I'm just talking about who we are and where we're going. That's what chapter 5 is. And so what you want to do day by day, just read 2 Corinthians 5. Tells you where you're going. Tells you who you are. Tells you things to do on the way. But he says, now you represent Christ in this world. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Look at verse 20 of chapter 5. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is one who represents the king in the court of another. We have ambassadors to countries all over the world. Uh, We have an ambassador. They represent America in that company. We have embassies where they're ambassadors that represent our country. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him on this earth. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading you through us, be reconciled to God. So that's, that's who we are. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him on this earth. He's to live his life through us. And then he closes that by telling us what a great salvation we have. Look at verse 21. For he made him to be sin for us. He said, you know, Jesus was sinless. He was spotless. He was holy. He was perfectly righteous. But one day the Father took your sin and my sin and placed them on Jesus. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So who are we? We're people who are new creations in Christ. We're people whose sin has been placed on Jesus. And Jesus has given us his righteousness. That is who we are. And we're headed for heaven. And until we get there, we need to please God. Because one day, we're going to give an account to him, folks. All right. But then he goes on in Colossians chapter 3 and tells us how to live till we get there. And man, I get so excited about Colossians chapter 3, I I just, I mean, but let me just say this, before I get over there and show you how you're supposed to live along the way, go back to 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 and he says, now's the time, now's the time to let Christ live through you. Now's the time to live the Christian life. Now's the time to be holy. Now's the time to be righteous. Now's the time to pray. Now's the time to share Jesus with other people. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Let the grace of God operate in you. You know, God said, you know one of your problems? A lot of people, it's, it's the one-day syndrome. Now, he says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. But, you know, we have the one-day syndrome. One day, I'm going to take care of that. One day, I'm really going to get serious about not only God teaching me how to pray, but praying. And, you know, one day, I'm really going to get serious about not looking like this world, acting like this world, living like this world. No, one day I'm going to get serious about being holy, sanctified, separated unto God, and righteous. One day I'm going to realize that Jesus is not to be on the fringe of my life. One of these days I'm going to get serious and make him the center of my life. One day, I, I know my marriage isn't good now, but one day I'm going to be the husband I ought to be. Or one day I'm going to be the wife I ought to be. Oh, I know there's some things that I need to work out with my children. And I won't tell you what, one day. But you know what? We never get to one day. One day never comes to pass. It's always one day. That's not God's Word. God's Word says today is the day of salvation. Now is, I want to ask you, what has God been dealing with you about that you've got out in the one day? Well, one day I, wait a minute, wait a minute, the day's here. Quit living in the one day. Start living in the now. You know, people got a, what they call a bucket list, things they're going to do before they die. That means they're going to kick the bucket. You know what I mean? I don't understand all that stuff. Going to kick the bucket, that means you're going to die. So let me tell you something. Throw the bucket away because you don't know how long you're going to live. This may be the last day you ever take a breath on this earth. One day may never come to you. You may never even get to look in the bucket. (laughs) That's the trick of the devil. Put it off. Put it off. What are you putting off today? Tell me, what is it that God is dealing with you about that you're putting off? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. And then he goes on and turn to Colossians 3. And, and he, don't, he tells us how to live along the way. Man, I'm so excited about this passage. And all all I'm just doing is going to give you the Word of God. I love the Word of God. If you love the Bible, say amen. Amen. I love the Word of God. I don't have to give you my opinion, and I don't have to give you my philosophy. I'm just going to read the Bible to you. What I don't agree. Well, you take that up with God. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3. Oh, you're talking about how to live along the way. You know the first thing he tells us is? To seek Jesus first. To seek Jesus first. Look at uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. So this is, Now I'm going to review chapter 5 and realize where I'm going and who I am and how I'm supposed to live on the way there. And one day I'll give an account for God, but I'm his ambassador now. And I have a glorious salvation. But along the way, he said, let me tell you how to live along the way seek God first. Be spiritually minded. Look at what it says. I'm just reading the word of God. Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, if you're saved, if Jesus has brought you out of death into life, he's brought you from death into life. If you're saved, seek those things which are above. Lord have mercy. He said, let me tell you what you do. If you're saved." Seek those things that are heavenly. Seek those things that are eternal. Seek those things that are spiritual. You know, the problem is we're bound by this physical world and material world in which we live. And there are a lot of good things in this world. Not everything is bad. But, you know, our dilemma as children of God is not the, the, the real choice between the good and the bad, between the good the good and the godly there are a lot of good things you can do that aren't eternal and what we seek after oh there there there's some good things that you can you can seek after and and if it's God's will you should but we got to realize that we have got to seek those things which are above why look at chapter 3 verse 1 if you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is Get your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the heavenly things. Set your, uh, uh, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Oh, he's right there right now, sitting at the right hand of God. And he said, Lord, we're, we're here because we're seeking you. We're seeking you. Look at verse 2. This is how you w- live along the way. Set your mind on things above. Boy, that's so, that's so difficult. You know, we got so many problems. We got so many pressures. We got so many issues. Oh, my heavens. I I mean, I keep telling my wife all the time, life has too much clutter in it. It's just too cluttered up. It's just too cluttered up. I want it to be simple. But the more simple I want it to get, the more cluttered it gets. He said, but listen. I want to tell you how to live on the way. Set your affection on things above where Christ is. You look unto Jesus. And he said, let me tell you what you do with your mind. It's going to try to get you to chase every rabbit that goes down every trail. It's going to try to get you to chase everything that this world offers you. He said, but let me tell you what you do. You set your mind on things above. Here's a good question. Is it eternal? Loving your children and, 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 and ministry is eternal. Loving your wife is eternal. Doing your job that you work at for the glory of God and as light and salt, that's, that's eternal. Set your mind on things above and not on things below. Why? Because you're not of this world. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, this world is not your home. You've got to understand that. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, we will be like him for we shall be with him where he is. So the first thing he says, along the way, you know where you're going, heaven. You know who you are, your new creation in Christ, and you have his righteousness. And you know you need to please him because one day you're going to give an account to him. So along the way, you just set your mind. You set your affection on things. Keep your eyes on Christ. Set your mind on spiritual things. And remember, you're dead. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Jesus is your life. And that's a good way to begin a day. I'm telling you that's a good way. Well, I just get started. You go into the next verses. He says... Um, And, and we look at verse um, verse 5, he said, look, Colossians 3, he said, now, not only do you set your affection on things above, and not only do you keep your eyes on Christ, he said, you know, you just realized that Jesus has already put your old man to death, your old nature of Adam. Now, I want to say this to you this morning. If you are in Christ, you're not in Adam. In Adam you were dead, in Adam you were without God and without hope, in Adam you had a nature that was sinful and wicked and ungodly, but now you are in Christ and you are a new creation and you're no longer in Adam and you have the righteousness of Christ. So the old man has no right to rule in your life. And so he says, okay, now what I want you to do as you're on the way, keep your eyes on Jesus, have your mind on spiritual things, and remember, keep that old man in the place of death. Look at verse 5. Therefore, since you belong to Christ, put to death your members which are on the earth. Put to death sexual immorality. Put to death uncleanness. Put to death passion. Put to death evil desire. Put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. He was writing that to believers. I was written to the church at Colossae. He was the one who told them to set their affection on things above. He said, but I'm telling you what you've got to do. Until you get home, you've got to put that old man to death. You've got to choose for it to be in the place of death. And he says it again uh, down in verse 9 and 10. Look what he says. See, see, by the Holy Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. When we're tempted to be immoral or unclean, are passionate about wrong things, when we have evil desires and covetous, what do we do? By the power of the spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. We put to death the, 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 the old man. It says here in verse nine, it says, you got to get rid, you can't let the old man rise up. You can't let it do it. All right. Verse nine of chapter three of Colossians, do not lie to one another. Huh? He's writing that to believers. You lied to anybody lately? I don't lie, Brother Fred, I exaggerate. Oh, no, you lie, you lie. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> when you exaggerate, you're saying something that's not, more than the truth. But I mean, oh, that's just my nature. Well, do not lie to one another. Why? You put off the old man. You're not in Adam. Adam was a liar. His father was the devil, and he was a liar. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. And look look at this. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. We know God according to the image of him who created him. And he says, Christ is all in all. So he says, put off the old man. So this is how we live on the way. We set our affection on Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We we have we, we set our mind on things that are above. That's exactly we're spiritually minded. And then We just put the old man, by the power of the Spirit, we put the old man to death. We died to ourselves. Now look at Colossians 3, verse 14. It's not enough when you put the old man to death. He says, let me tell you what I want you to fill your heart. Look at verse 14. "But, But above all, above all these things, put on love, which is a bond of perfection, now, I've got to live today, and, I, 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 and this is the only day I know I've got, and I've got to live now. So I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I've got to set my mind on spiritual things. I can't be carnally minded. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I've got to be spiritually minded. And it, my old man, his power has been broken, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I put that old man to death. And I will not let it rule or reign in my life. And you know what I do? The next thing I need to do is, listen, I don't want to go around just with the old man dead. I want to put on love. I want my heart to be filled with love. Now, look at what it says there. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love God and love your neighbor. All the moral law of God is fulfilled in loving God and loving your neighbor. Hey, listen. The distinguishing mark of a child of God is that you love God and you love people. Brother Fred, I don't have any problem loving God. I have problem loving people. Then you got a problem loving God. Because you can't love God and hate people. You can't do it. Or you just can't. That can't live in the same heart. So he said, listen. Along the way till you get home, put on love. And then look at verse 15. Fill your heart with the peace of God. And let the peace of God, which rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, Now, stay with me. I know where I'm going. I know where we're going to heaven. One day we'll be absent from the body, we'll be present to the Lord. But until we do, we need by the power of the Holy Spirit to know we're a new creation in Christ, and we are to do that which pleases God. Because one day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we just need to understand that we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now, therefore, as we're on the way to heaven, we don't live in the one day one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to. No, we don't live there. We live in the today. We live in the now. This is, we are today people. We're now people. And so now, today, I set my affection on things above. I get my eyes on Jesus. I choose to be spiritually minded. And, th- and, and that let the spirit, the mind of Christ operate in me. And I choose against my old man. He's dead and I won't keep him there. And by the spirit's power, I put to death. The deeds of the body. And then I allow my heart to be filled with the love of Christ. And then I let the peace of God act as an umpire in my life. You're just living today. And you're fixing to do something. Or God seems to be speaking to you about doing something. And you just got great peace. And you do it. But you're living today. And you're moving in a direction and you're fixing to make a decision and a choice. But you don't have any peace. So you don't do it. But you say, Brother Fred, there's nothing wrong with it. That's not the issue. You, sometimes you choose the good instead of the godly. And so the, the thing he said here, just let the love of Christ fill your heart. And in and, 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 and every direction you go, if God's in it, his peace is going to say, okay. If God's not in it, his peace is going to say, it's not okay. And we let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That's the way we live on the way. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. He said, and then there's one other thing. Verse 16, fill your heart with the word of God. Man, I love this chapter. I am going to read. Hey, you just get up and say, okay, Lord, you just told me to set my affection on things above to get my mind on Jesus to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded. And I'm going to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put to death all the deeds of the body. I'm not going to give in to the lust of the flesh. And I am going to allow the love of Christ and the peace of God to fill my heart. And today I want to fill my life with the Word of God. And that'll help me to live right on the way. That's what he says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, dwell in you richly. All right, now here's the, here are the last two things. I know who I am. You know who you are in Christ. You know where you're going. And you're closer today than you were yesterday to heaven. But how do I live along the way? Please, God. Colossians says this is the way you please God. Now look at verse 17. This will clear up a lot of confusion for you. Verse 17 says, today, whatever you do in word, boy, that's a big problem, isn't it? Whatever you speak, oh, we got two ears and one tongue. I wish God would give us, no, I don't want two tongues. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I wish I had two ears and no tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. The tongue no man can tame, but thank God Jesus can. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm going to do this. He said, can you sign Jesus' name to it? I, 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 what do you want to bring Jesus into it for? Huh. He said, Oh, well, I mean, it's just whatever you do in word or deed. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Well, if I can't sign Jesus' name to it, I can't do it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Oh, but look down at verse 23. And you, this is going to encourage every one of you, whether you're retired, whether you're 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, or fixing to go to heaven in the morning. It doesn't matter. This is what I love. He says, don't say anything and do anything that won't honor Jesus. And oh, this is it. Oh, I love verse 23. This is what I'm supposed to do on the way. Whatever you do. Do it heartily to the Lord and not to men. So you work in the garage and you work on cars. Do it heartily to the Lord. Do it for God's glory. Your housewife, do it for God's glory. Your salesman, do it for God's glory. Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord. This is not a secular job. This is a spiritual job. I'm doing this for Jesus. I get paid for it, but you know, I'm not talking about myself, but I mean, you get paid for it, but you do it, you know, it's nice to get paid for it, but you're doing it heartily for the Lord. That's what you're doing. You're serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord and not to men. Don't just work when the boss is watching. That's what he says. I used to sell shirts at JCPenney's at Christmas. The only time I worked was when the boss was watching me. (laughs) Boy, I'd sell like a mad dog. He was gone, I'd just goof off. Act like I was shuffling shirts around. I was wrong. I was wasted days. Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward for your inheritance For you serve the Lord Christ. Brother Fred, I've just got a secular job. That is not true. Whatever job you have, you do it heartily to the Lord. And one day God will reward you for it because you did it for him and for his glory. So everything you do is spiritual. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 6 says do it. Do it now. Chapter 5 of Second Corinthians says, this is where you're headed. This is her, h- who you are. This is what you're going to give account for. You've got a glorious salvation. And then Colossians chapter 3, it says, till you get to heaven, this is the way you live. Just seek God first. Seek Jesus. Set your mind on spiritual things. Put to death the old man. Don't let him rule in your life. And just remember, let let the love of God and the peace of God and the word of God fill your heart. Just let him fill your heart. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. And just remember, whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, for you serve the Lord Christ, and one day he'll reward you. I'm just going to say one thing. I'm glad God gave me that. I can never tell you to the Lord. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know how to act on the way. I can't ever tell him that. But the problem is you can't do it unless Jesus is the Lord of your life. You can't do it unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life. You cannot. You cannot live out what's written of you in this book without the power of Jesus Christ living in you. The Christian life is not you doing your best for Jesus. The Christian life is not I'm going to try my hardest to be like Jesus. The Christian life is you die to yourself and you let Jesus be the Lord of your life. And you let the Holy Spirit fill your life. And you live in the power of Jesus. And you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not you, but it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Woo! I'm just glad to be saved. Man, I'm glad to be saved. Praise the name of Jesus.